Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, there is no PGA Tour event this week, but there is still golf being played worldwide, and there is still opportunity for us to make money by playing DFS or by hitting the outright betting market. So we are here to talk about the Live Golf event this week, Live Chicago, which is kind of a misnomer because this place is like 90 minutes from Chicago. In fact, Olympia Field, where the PGA Tour just played, was closer to Chicago than this place is, but they're still calling it Chicago. Either way, I got to give Live Golf credit. This is a great week to schedule a golf tournament, given that the PGA Tour is off, given that the women's game has the Solheim Cup going on, and the Corn Ferry Tour is having their championship. If you're looking to see high-level men's golf, then the Live Chicago is the place to see that this week. Here on today's episode, we are going to break down this Live Golf event that is being played at a spectacular course. We are going to break that course down, break down the results from this tournament last year year and then talk about some golfers that we can be targeting for our DFS lineups or for our betting cards here this week at Live Chicago. Now, if you like what you're seeing on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button so that way you'll be notified when all of our weekly golf, college football, and NFL content drops and hit the like button. It really shows me a lot of support, helps the videos get noticed, and I really do appreciate it. If you're listening on audio form, you can subscribe to the channel and you can also rate and review, which helps me out and shows me a lot of support. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the course breakdown of Rich Harvest Farms. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so Live Chicago is being played at Rich Harvest Farms, which is actually named after the owner and designer whose last name was Rich. This is a very modern design, and it's about an hour outside of Chicago. So like I mentioned in the intro, it's a little bit of a misnomer. This is going to be called Live Chicago. But anyway, this is going to be a par 71 course that is going to play at about 7,400 yards. And looking at the scorecard, two of the par fives in particular, number two and number six, are going to be reachable in two for most if not the entire field. Six does look long on paper, but it does play downhill. Now, the distance that this course gets to, the you know, how it gets to that high total of 7,400 yards is really through its par fours. It's got five par fours that are over 450 yards. Now, this is a little bit of a modern design golf course. It's not done by any of like the classical designers like a Donald Ross or a Pete Dye or anybody like that. And really what they tried to do with this course, you know, it's a fairly new course, but they tried to create two distinct nines. The nines were designed at different times. So you end up with one set of nine holes that is really claustrophobic and tree-lined and, you know, fairways are going to be at a premium. And then you've also got another nine holes that features much wider fairways, much wider landing zones, but a lot more water in those nine holes. Now the routing has been changed, so it's not necessarily just front nine and back nine for those, but, you know, that's generally what you're looking at with this layout. There's also a really difficult hole known as the devil's elbow that is a par four that is a severe dog leg that is a very very tight landing zone if you are not going to be shaping your shot off the tee now in terms of the specs of this course the rough is not going to be very penal so as long as you are if you're not in the fairway you just can't be in the trees or in the water small misses are going to be okay the big miss is not going to be okay off the tee the greens are going to be bent grass they are above average size from comparing you know what we normally see on the pga tour but they are not playing that big what i mean by that is there there's a lot of them that are tiered off and like sectioned off and so the landing zones for where they put some of these pins especially where they're going to be on sunday are pretty small so the greens may be large but they're going to play pretty small to where if you're on the wrong side of the screen it's going to be a very difficult two putt from there now in terms of comp courses i do think there are two of them 
that come to mind. The first one is Mirfield Village, which is designed by Jack Nicholas. Um, you know, again, a little bit more of a modern design. And off the tee, Mirfield Village is pretty forgiving. The greens are pretty small, though, and, and it can get really bad for you if you miss those greens. So I think, you know, the concept of tight landing zones, you know, bent grass greens, I think that applies for Mirfield Village. And some live guys have had success at Mirfield Village. Bryson has a win there. Anurban Lahiri and Kevin Na both have runners up there. Another comp course would be TPC Twin Cities, which is home of the 3M Open. Again, more of a modern design. It's not, you know, old school and classical. It's bent grass greens. You've got a lot of water off the tee at TBC Twin Cities, but not a whole lot of trouble lurking outside of that water. The greens are also above average size there um, up there in Minnesota. And Matthew Wolf has a win there. Bryson DeChambeau has a runner up there. Now, one of the most important things that's going to be talked about with this Live Chicago event is when it comes to picking a golfer, this event was played here at this course last year. This is one of the first repeat events on Live. So we've got some actionable data with how a lot of these guys played this course a year ago. We've got a little bit of course history to go off of. So last year, looking at the leaderboard, Cam Smith won at minus 13, uh, a three-shot victory for Cam Smith. He was the only guy that was in the 60s um, each and every day, all three rounds. And so he won by three shots over Peter Uline and Dustin Johnson. Coincidentally, Peter Uline and Dustin Johnson, them playing that well, allowed the four aces, the Dustin Johnson's team, to um, win the team competition here last year. So if you're, if you're looking um, for the team winner last year, it was the four aces. After that, rounding out the top 10, you had Sergio Garcia and Joaquin Neiman at T4, and then Charles Schwartzel and Louis Ustazen at T6, Phil Mickelson, Lowry Cantor, Bryce Deschambeau, and Chase Kepka at a T8, um, and then a lot of names from there. A lot of these guys actually aren't even on live anymore if you look at some of these names that are way down the leaderboard. So, how does that shape up heading into this week, and how can we target golfers heading into this week? Well, let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's break that down. All right, so we're looking at the DraftKings pricing here for this event, and this is going to be pretty mirrored to the odds board. A lot of odds boards are pretty similarly priced with these guys in terms of um, their rankings and their positioning. So in terms of whether you're looking to play DFS or whether you're looking to bet, a lot of this stuff is going to apply for either of them. At the top of the board is Cam Smith, and for good reason. He's the defending champ of this event, Live Chicago. He also won the last Live event at Bedminster. So if you're playing DFS, he is for sure going to be chalky because anybody who's doing any amount of research is going to see that he won this event last year and it's just going to be real easy to click the guy who has the best history at this course. Now in terms of how this course sets up for Cam Smith, I think it actually plays to his strengths. You know, some of these nine holes that are kind of kind of tight off the tee aren't necessarily, you know, the best for him in his game. He can be inaccurate with the driver, but there's a lot of holes where the fairways are pretty wide open. And then the small landing zones that we talked about, that plays to Cam Smith's strengths because he is one of the best iron and wedge players on the PGA Tour. And then even if he misses the green, he's got the short game to get up and down with being one of the best chippers and best putters of the golf ball in the world. So I really do think this is a good course fit for Cam Smith. I think he's a very solid bet to win this tournament. I think the odds are pretty favorable for him. But if you're playing him in DFS, just know he's going to come with a lot of ownership. Now, in terms of the other top options, I like Bryson DeChambeau a lot. I think Bryson is playing some of the best golf of his career 
career right now, and it's not really being talked about because it's on live, but he probably has the highest ceiling of any golfer currently on this tour, which he exemplified with his 58 on Sunday at the Greenbrier a little more than a month ago. I just think that Bryson's playing some good golf. I think that when he is on, the distance he gives you off the tee is such an advantage to hit into greens like this because those smaller landing zones, he's going to be hitting, you know, shorter clubs and more lofted clubs into that. So that way he can, you know, kind of hold these greens. He also does some of his best work on bent grass, like the win at the Greenbrier, like the win at winged foot at the U.S. Open a while back. So I think this is a really good fit for Bryson. And, and I think if you're not going to play Cam Smith, Bryson DeChambeau would probably be my preferred play at the top in DFS. I'm probably going to be playing a little bit more Bryson than Cam Smith, just because I think Bryson's going to be a little less owned. And I think that his ceiling is so supremely high. Also, if you're looking for a narrative play, Bryson might be a little irritated that he did not get one of the captain's picks for the Ryder Cup next week. And I think that might be a little bit of a motivation to Bryson for him to go out there this week and to go out there and win. It's very easy on the live tour to question a lot of these guys' motivations to win week in and week out. But I don't think that's the case with Bryson. Bryson's trying to go out there and shoot 58 every time he, you know, every time he tees it up. So I really think that this is a good fit for Bryson. I don't have any concerns on Bryson heading into this event. Patrick Reed is not my favorite play in DFS. He's not my favorite bet either. To me, he feels a little overpriced on the DraftKings board, which probably means he's going to come in with low ownership. So if you're looking to make a pivot play, you know, off of some ownership, Patrick Reed is probably going to be your guy for that. But I just don't really think that what he does fits this course super well. You know, Patrick Reed tends to excel at super difficult golf courses, golf courses that are going to require a lot of long irons to be hit into greens and a low green and regulation percentage because his scrambling is where he's better than everybody else. And so if everybody is going to have to be getting up and down, Patrick Reed is going to be winning the up and down contest. I don't think that necessarily plays out well here at this course. And when you look at what he's done on live lately, you know, his last, you know, five events. He's got three top fives, which is pretty good, but he's got a pretty low floor as well, which he showed with his T36 at the Greenbrier. And so I, I don't necessarily think this is the best course fit for Reed. I would prefer to play Reed at somewhere that's more difficult. And for that reason, I'm probably not going to play a whole lot of Patrick Reed in DFS this week. Brooks Kepka is a guy that I'm going to play though. Brooks Kepka is a guy that quite frankly, when he's engaged, he's one of the best golfers on planet earth. When he's not engaged, he's just sleepwalking and he's not going to give you results, which is what happened in each of the last two little events where he came in 38th place both times. But I'm not concerned about that with Brooks this week. Brooks has the Ryder Cup coming up next week. We know in Brooks Kepka's career, he always gets up for the majors and he gets up for the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup as well. So I'm not concerned about Brooks this week. I think he's going to want to give a good showing and show that he is prepared to play his best golf in Rome next week. And in terms of a course fit, look, Brooks is really good on bent grass. And, you know, he won the PGA Championship at Oak Hill on bent grass. And it's not that dissimilar of a course from this one. So I really do think this is a good fit for him. And I think that Brooks Kepka, I have no problem betting him to win outright or playing him in DFS this week. Now, a guy that I'm probably not going to be playing a lot of this week is going to be Dustin Johnson. So Dustin Johnson was T2 here last year, which we mentioned in the course preview, but we always got to question Dustin Johnson's motivation. Like he just never really has seemed super locked in and super motivated since he came to live. And his form hasn't been that great either. He hasn't finished in the top 10 in a live event or a major since the first week of July back at Live London. So I just don't necessarily buy that he's coming in, um, you know, giving his already to win this 
this event. And, and for that reason, he's a fade for me in DFS, and I would not bet him to win this tournament outright. Now, heading into the 9K range on DraftKings, there are a few guys that are pretty interesting. Taylor Gooch has probably been the MVP of Live this season with three wins so far. But in terms of a course fit, I don't think this is the best one. Last year, he was pretty bad. He came in 35th place out of 48 golfers. So if you're ever looking for a reason to fade Gooch, this would probably be the week to do it. I, again, he's been so good this season. He's been like the best he's ever been in his entire career this year. So I think if you're playing based off of his season-long form, it's not a bad idea, but he definitely did not appear to be a good fit here at this tournament last year. Mito Pereira has been knocking on the door all season long on live. He's got six top six finishes on live this year. And to me, it's only a matter of time before Mito wins one. Could this be the week? I don't know. He did not play this event last year, so we don't really have any actual course history for him. But I just think Mito is eventually going to win one. And if you would rather be early to Mito than late, then this is a week where you can still be early to him. I don't think he's a bad bet, and I don't think he's a bad DFS play. Now, Dean Burmeister is another guy who has been quietly knocking on the door. He hasn't finished worse than 17th in a live event since since April, which is insanely impressive. You know, his only finish outside of that was a PGA Championship at Oak Hill where he did make the cut. And so his last two events have also been a T7 and a T3 on courses that are decently similar to this one. Like I think Bedminster's a lot more forgiving off the tee. I think Greenbrier's a lot shorter, but they're both bent grass courses. And, you know, coming in on T7 and T3, I definitely think Burmeester is on the right track. And I don't think he's going to be super highly owned in DFS if you're looking to play a guy like that. Joaquin Neiman probably is the line of demarcation of where I would be willing to bet a guy to win this golf tournament. What we've seen on Live a lot this year is a lot of the big dogs have won these golf tournaments. It's either been Taylor Gooch, Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson. Like, it's all the big names that are winning on Live. I think Harold Varner III had won as well, and he was probably, you know, the farthest down the board of any winner this year. And so Joaquin Neiman is probably the farthest I would go. He's coming in on decent form with that T7 at Bedminster, and he was T4 here last year. So I would not mind um, Joaquin Neiman. And he is kind of a high-variance golfer, though. Like, you, you never really know what you're going to get out of him. But I definitely think this is not a bad course fit for him. Now, I'm done with the individual profiles from here on out. Now, I'm just going to be kind of highlighting the guys that I particularly like or don't like, um, or I think there's some sort of actionable data for them for this tournament. So, Sergio Garcia was T4 here last year as well, but Sergio is a super high variance golfer, which makes him a very solid DFS play. You know, he can come all the way in the top five, you know, like he did with his runner-up in Singapore, or he can come all the way back down in 45th place on live. You never really know what's going to happen with Sergio, but if he's locked in and he does you know, feel like this is a good course fit for him with that T4 here last year, then this could be a really good week for the Spaniard. Sebastian Munoz is also a high variance golfer. He's probably like one of the best bets to be like a first round leader or like a low round of the week or something like that, because he does tend to do things like that. And he does have a run of good finishes this week. Um, he does also tend to play his best where accuracy with the driver is not at a premium. And that's kind of the case on a lot of holes here this week. He has four top sevens on live this year. So he has shown a high ceiling and I wouldn't mind playing Sebastian Munoz in DFS this week. Anderbon Lahiri is probably a guy that if you're really looking to dig deep for a winner, 
would probably be the long shot I would bet. Um, he's been knocking on the door um, recently. He has two runners up on Live this year. He's also been top 18 in his last three tournaments on Live, which is showing a pretty solid floor. And he has a runner up at Muirfield Village, which is one of my comp courses. He was T21 here last year, but I really think he's playing better golf right now than he was here last year. And so for that reason, I think Anderbon Lahiri is a really good long shot bet to win. And I think he's a really solid DFS play on DraftKings at $8,500. Now, in the 7K range on DraftKings, a guy that I like a lot but is also going to be um, super popular this week is going to be Richard Bland. Richard Bland continues to rack up good finishes. The last major he played in was a T33 at the Open, but outside of that, his last three live events, he's been in 11th place or better, and he was T18 here last year. So Richard Bland's got the right form coming in, and he's got a really good price tag on DraftKings at $7,800. But like I said, I really do think he's going to be popular. So if you pop him into your lineups, just be prepared to get different elsewhere. Keep in mind that with live, it's a 48-player field. So when you're playing six Six golfers in your lineup, everybody's playing 12.5% of the field in their lineup. So it would not shock me to see Richard Bland come in at like 25 to 30% ownership. Thomas Peters is a guy that is going to get the home game narrative this week um, with him, you know, kind of having ties to Chicago, but he also is just a guy that I think is super talented and has quite frankly underachieved on live this season. And you know, at only $7,700, it's the cheapest he's been. If you're looking to bet on a guy who has the home game narrative and clearly has talent, Thomas Peters would be the guy. And he might come in a little lesser owned with Richard Bland being right there priced above him. Now, we talked about, you know, Sebastian Munoz and Sergio Garcia being a high-variance player. Well, let me introduce you to Matthew Wolf, who in his last three events on Live has a 42nd, a 3rd, and a 47th. There's 48 players in the tournament. So he literally finished at the very top and the very bottom in his last three events. You never know what you're going to get with Matthew Wolf, but he does have a win at one of my comp courses, TPC Twin Cities, which shows that he can play well at a course that has danger lurking off the tee, and he can play well at a course that has bent grass greens. So in a format like DFS, I don't think he's a bad guy to roll out this week. You just hope that you know he can give you a good first round so that way he can stay engaged throughout the weekend instead of just mailing it in, which he tends to do when he has a bad first round. Kevin Na is a guy who's probably going to be pretty popular in DFS as well. He's got top 11s in three of his last five starts on live. He was also 34th here last year, so not necessarily good um, you know, course history coming in, but good recent form, and he has played well at my comp courses. Peter Uline, the recent form is pretty rough, like really rough, a 33rd and a 38th in his last two events and 43rd, two starts before that. But he was a runner up here last year. He's an absolutely elite driver of the golf ball, like right up there with Bryson and DJ on live in terms of distance plus accuracy, who's good at it. And so I think that that elite driver of the golf ball could serve him well this week. He's a guy who's going to be in my DFS lineups because he showed the ability to play well here with that runner up finish last year. David Puge, I always want to call him Puig because it's spelled like Yassiel Puig, but he's a young up-and-comer, and I think that he's got a high ceiling. He's got two top fives in his last four events on live. Also had a really good performance at the U.S. Open back in June, so he's a high-variance player, and he can get really hot with the putter, but the good news is is when he tends to get hot with the putter, tends to be on bent grass greens, like at the Green Bar and like at the U.S. Open, so I don't have a problem going with David Puge for that reason if he can get hot with the putter on these bent grass greens here at Rich Harvest Farms. 
Now, in terms of the 6K range on DraftKings, there are some values that I am interested in. Scott Vincent is like America's value play. He's always supremely popular. He tends to always outperform his salary. Is he a guy who's probably going to come in the top five this week? No, but is he a guy that you can play at $6,700 who can give you a T15 or T12 and you know give you a little bit of value at a low salary? Yes, he can absolutely do that, and I don't mind going to him for that reason, especially in cash game formats in DFS. Now, Sam Horsfield's an interesting story. He is actually an alternate this week, but is in the field for Lowry Cantor, who is playing in the Kazoo Open on the DP World Tour. Really weird how that worked out, but he's kind of a wild card. You don't really know what you're going to get from him, but you know that he's here for a payday, right? Like if he's playing in this event, he's looking to get paid. And so if he does play well, you know, that's some extra added motivation to go ahead and get you some money in your pocket for a guy who has not had a great season otherwise. Lee Westwood is... I mean, if you're going to play him, this might be weak to play him. Like, he's coming off of a dead last at Bedminster, but he did play well here last year with the T12. And so maybe that little bit of course history suits him well. He's $6,300 on DraftKings. I think he can outperform his salary. Just like Matthew Wolf, though, you need a good first round out of him so that way he doesn't just mail it in over the weekend. Now, an interesting thing about Liv is that they are relegating golfers this year. And so there are some guys that are in the range of they could be relegated if they don't start racking up individual points before the end of the season. James Pio is one of those guys. So he has added motivation. And James Pio is a guy that when you look at his history, like he has some upside. He's just got to string it together for all three rounds. He was tied for the first round lead in Liv DC before faltering on the weekend and finishing 35th. He also put together three good rounds at the Greenbrier for a T18 and two really good rounds at Bedminster for a T25. So if James Pio can just string it together for all three rounds, he can be a really good play this week. And he's got so much motivation wanting to get out of that relegation zone. Another guy who's in the relegation zone is Chase Kepka, which is even more awkward because his brother's the guy that is the owner of the team he's on. So he really needs to pick it up to not only help himself out, but help his brother out and keep his brother out of an awkward situation. So Chase Kepka has not played great recently. He's been in the bottom eight in three of his last four live events actually four of his last five live events looking at it, but he did have his best finish on the live tour at this event last year with a T8. So if there was ever a time to play Chase Kepka, this week might also be the week. The other two guys who were fighting in this relegation zone are Jediah Morgan and Sawan Kim, but I don't, I can't even find a reason to play both those guys. I mean, I guess the reason will be they're going to be super low owned on DraftKings. So maybe if you get a spike week out of them, it might be good, but I would rather go for the spike week from a PO or a Kepka in my personal opinion. All right, that does it for the preview of Live Chicago. If you want more from me, follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I will tweet out the DFS rundown for every PGA and Live slate. I'm also more than happy to talk about any opinions of any players on there. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description. Got a lot of people who play a lot of different sports, DFS, golf, college football, NFL, the whole lot. Um, a lot of good discussion in there. More than happy to talk about any plays or specific players. And also, I do write full slate articles for every PGA, Live, college football, and NFL slate on the Patreon. I do write long articles, but I do not write them for free. It's only $3 a month though. So if you want to know who makes my core plays and you want to know how I feel about situations with ownership, you know, situations to monitor, um, you can read that full article on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Now action on the live tour is pretty limited, but if you want to make any outright bets, maybe you want to try a new sports book. Maybe you want to try a new DFS site or a player prop site like Underdog because Underdog does have um, over-unders for the live guys. 
Head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We're a partner with Signup Experts. We have the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player prop or sportsbook site. That is available in your area. It will sync to your location and show you what's available to you. And by using my links, it shows me a little bit of support as well. Um, so it'll help you and it'll help me out. Also, that's signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. All right, that does it for this episode, y'all. Thank you guys for watching and listening this far. Hopefully I was able to give you guys some good information that will help you find the winner or find the right DFS lineup for Live Chicago this week. We will be back um, when the PGA Tour returns at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Um, so if you subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the audio feed, you'll be notified when that episode drops, as well as all of our weekly golf and college football content. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time.